Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm Jeremy Phillips. I'm pastor for Adult Ministries here, and we've just got some things that we want to talk through with you uh, as we as we go into our study of the Word. First is your deeper roots brochures out. We hope that you'll pray about what class the Lord would have you take. If you have questions about deeper roots, this is our Adult Ministries um, discipleship. It's where you can take specific classes to help you grow in your faith and understanding of God's Word. Um, if you have questions about classes, I'm going to be in the fellowship hall right after this service. I'd love to talk to you, help you get plugged in, maybe answer some, uh, some of the questions that you have about specific content in the classes. But what I really want to talk to you about this morning is our upcoming series, Defining Us. Here at Rosemont, this is what we see as our task. If you come in contact with somebody, you can ask yourself, are they connected to Christ and his church? If they're not, share the gospel with them. Are they growing in faith and understanding of God's word? If they're not, disciple them. Are they serving Jesus here and around the world? If they're not, find out about them and where they can get plugged in. Use their gifts, how God has specifically created them. And it's questions we can ask about ourselves. So over this next 15 weeks, we're going to talk about connect, grow, and serve. And we're going to have the same conversation as a church family from preschool to adults. So Adam will preach a message, and then all of our small groups will have a follow-up lesson that dives deeper into that specific topic for that day. Uh, and if you're not in a small group, today, make today the day. Meet me in the fellowship hall, and I'll help you. If you're, a, if you're a Sunday school teacher, volunteer, from preschool to adults, would you stand up for us right now? Preschool to adults, if you're a Sunday school or small group leader, y'all, these people are serving Jesus with their whole heart, and we need to honor that. So if you're not plugged in, you can sit down. If you're not plugged in, don't wait. Don't, Don't procrastinate. Today's the day to get connected to his church so that you can grow and you can serve. But in order to to help you do that, we've also created this devotional that's going to follow each of the specific topics. It's going to have four devotions. They're going to be Bible studies, articles, explanations of specific issues within that topic, and a family devotion that you can use. And if you're in your small group, you're going to get this today. Your teachers have already requested it, so they're available for you. If you're not in a small group, meet me in the fellowship hall, or you can pick one up at the Connect desk. But... We also know that we are in a digital age, and we're trying to make this as accessible as we can. And so we've created a digital version of this. If you go to our website, rosemontchurch.org, under resources, you click on the link for Connect, Grow, Serve, and it will take you to this. And in the online version, there's enhanced content. And what that means is I can't plug a video into this or a hyperlink, but online we can. 
And so you can get on there, and we've given you even more resources. And instead of one family devotion, we've given you uh, five for each week that you can do something every day with your family. So take advantage of this. Don't let this opportunity pass by. Do something with me just real quick. Everybody cross your arms like you're a kid that's just saying, that I've just said no to, and so you're a little mad. So everybody cross your arms. I told you you couldn't have ice cream. Cross them. You can do it. Even if you don't want to, it's not going to hurt you. Now, everybody naturally put one hand over the other, right? Now, I want you to switch that real quick. Some of you are struggling big time to do that. It hurts to change, but it's good sometimes to learn a different way to do things. And that's what we're trying to do is just get you to do something in a different way. We want to challenge you in your faith that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. And it might be a little uncomfortable, but you will not regret taking a step out. And I told the 830, I'm going to tell you guys. 15 weeks, if you'll, if you'll plug into these ways that we've got for you, small groups, sermons, and this devotional, if you get through that 15 weeks and you haven't grown a bit, didn't make a difference, Adam Camp says he'll take you out for a steak dinner. <laughs> because listen, you can't put yourself before the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the community of God and not be transformed. Just do it. Get plugged in today. So I'm going to pray as Adam comes up and we talk about kind of an introductory message into this sermon series. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together. May we submit ourselves, our lives to you and be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the power of your spirit, the truth of your word, and the people right and left of us, the community of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy's put a ton of work into this devotion in the online version, so you can thank him later for that. Jeremy, thanks for that encouraging word. Very exciting about what's uh, going on and and what the Lord's going to do over the next many weeks. Uh, You're going to hear more about it as we go through the process, but I I just reiterate what he said. Uh, I want to encourage you. Just take the challenge. Get the devotion. Go online and do it. Do it with your family. Uh, Just see what the Lord does over the next 15 weeks in your heart and the heart of your family. Excited to be part of that. Okay, take your Bibles and open to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to give you another kind of piece of exciting news very quickly as you're finding 2 Timothy. And by the way, if you forgot your Bibles this morning, there's one in front of where you're sitting. uh, The hardcover black book there. Take that out. That's actually a Bible. You can turn to page 995. That's where we'll be this morning. 995, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, just a little bit of exciting news before we jump into the passage of Scripture. Joe Fry, who has been our interim missions guy now since the end of last year, Joe and his wife uh, and their two boys at the time were in Guatemala. They were serving there faithfully for two years, felt the call to come back home. And when they came home, they thought they'd be here for just a few months and go back in the field. But the Lord has led them to stay for a longer period than they thought, which we're very excited about. So I started talking to our personnel team and our deacon leadership, and they formed a little team kind of went through the process and recommended that we move Joe from interim mission pastor to full-time mission pastor. That's only going to change in title. His work is going to be the same. He's here every day doing a great work, a great job. We're excited to have Joe, but he's not going to be going back on the field anytime soon. Uh, If the Lord leads him, he will do that, but he feels called to the local church, local ministry, so we're very excited to have him. So I just wanted to let you guys know, only thing that's going to change is the sticker on his office that says interim. We'll take that off. So anything else is going to be the same. I wanted you to inform you about that, and you can celebrate with Joe and his family today if you'd like. 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's an exciting time for us at Rosemont. God's doing great things. Neat to be a part of a church family that's growing and reaching the world for Christ. And this time of year is especially important, students, because what happens tomorrow? 
<laughs> I don't know who's less excited, the teachers or the students, but I got an interesting response. All morning I've been asking students, and, and by and large, people are excited. But this time of year, here it is, right? Like, where'd the summer go? Felt like we were just doing VBS, and we were just doing some camps and, and did a vacation, and now here we are again. But I, but I love this time of year because it, it kind of gets us back in a routine, which most people are excited about. But I also love it because it gives us an opportunity as a faith family to maybe re-examine some things, to renew some things in our mind. I always see January the 1st, kind of the new year, as an opportunity to do that. And then I see the school year, the beginning of the school year, as an opportunity to do that, to kind of think through our walk again, maybe a new fresh start, a new fresh beginning, maybe things that we've kind of let go a little bit, we need to pick back up and be reminded of and, and renewed in our faith. And as Jeremy explained, this upcoming sermon series, the, the Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve, will be an opportunity to do that. But a lot of that has come kind of from a burden in our, in our team and prayer and with our leadership, a burden that, that I really uh, um, think a lot about and, and pray a lot about. about. And, and the burden is this. I, I really uh, fear that there are a lot of people in the local church, and I'm not just talking about Rosemont, I'm talking about church in general. There are a lot of people in the local church that maybe don't take their faith as seriously as they should. Maybe they're not doing the things they ought to be doing. Maybe they know the answers. Uh, maybe they, something's beeping, that's not me. I don't know what that is. is that a, there it is again. Is the computer some way hooked up of y'all? Turn the volume. Is it Siri? Can you preach a message for me this morning? <laughs> I'm just burned that people are maybe not as serious about. Maybe that's what it is. Hey, Syria. That's it. Is that it? Maybe people are not as. Uh, what's another word? Synonym. What's the synonym for serious? Huh? Committed. Maybe people are not as committed to their to their faith as they should be. That's really funny. I should ask Siri to tell me what the last thing you looked on the line was. Hey, Siri. Just kidding, I won't do that. People are not as committed in their faith, right? And I'm burdened by that, right? So back into the scripture, back into what God wants us to think about. And so we've been thinking about that and, and praying about that. And this is a good time of year for us to recommit, right? It's a good time of year for us to be reminded of what we ought to be doing, to think about the things of the Lord. And so I wanted to think this morning about that and kind of in that vein in 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy, because Paul writes uh, this letter, 1 and 2 Timothy, to this young man who he wants to grow in his faith. He wants him to be committed to his walk. And so Paul writes this, this, this great letter, these letters challenging Timothy in his faith, challenging Timothy to do more. Paul has discipled him. He's mentored him. And so I want to kind of show you, before I jump into what I want to teach, Paul kind of gets this. Right? Paul understands, even in the first century, that oftentimes there's, there's an apathy that can go with following Christ. Uh, there's a lack of commitment that can go with the things of the Lord. And so as you kind of hold your place in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to flip over to chapter 3 just for a minute, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, we have that on the screen as well, because Paul gives us this warning, right? And this warning is really kind of the foundational, one of the reasons Paul's going to write this letter, and one of the reasons he's going to challenge Timothy. But as we read this, this uh, scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this warning, I want you to kind of think with me about how much this feels like modern life, what Paul's going to say. It just feels like Paul was thinking ahead to us, into our world, 
because it feels like he's writing about us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people, now watch this, will be, see if this sounds like modern world today, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Kids, he put that in there for you. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Verse 4, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Watch this, verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Isn't that amazing? Paul said, listen, there's going to be people that are arrogant, that are lovers of money, that are lovers of self, that are lovers of pleasure, that are treacherous, that don't love things that are good. And verse 7 kind of caps it off. They're always going to be learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. How many people do we know that has sat under teaching of God's word for years, never actually applied it to their life? They're interested in the things of God in maybe the, the way that they say and the way that they talk, but they're not really living out the teachings of God's word in their heart. They're always learning, verse 7, but they're na- never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And so I want to kind of think through that this morning together. Back to chapter 1. Flip back to chapter 1. I want to think through how we cannot become apathetic how we cannot be lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, conceited, all the things that Paul warns against. What do we meet, need to be doing in our life to make sure we're not complacent in our faith? Because I'm afraid, if we were honest, far too many believers, at least in the Western world, kind of fall into that category. So Paul's going to challenge us now in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We have it on the screen as well. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul always kind of signed his letters at the beginning, not at the end. So this is written by Paul, verse 2, to Timothy, beginning now in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded, verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. If you're taking notes, you should underline that little phrase. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame Excuse me, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So so how can we guard against becoming complacent and apathetic and uninterested in the things of the Lord? I believe that Paul gives Timothy a real clear picture there of how we ought to live and how we ought to serve. And I'm going to give you the first truth 
here, number one. If we're going to guard against complacency, if we're going to guard against apathy, truth number one, we must be certain that our faith is real. We need to be certain that our faith is real. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 5. It's an interesting phrase I want you to see. Pull verse 5 up there again, if you would, for me, please. Paul says, I'm reminded of your hypocritical faith. That's not what he says. I'm reminded of your lukewarm faith. I'm reminded that you say all the right things, but never really do any of the right things. That's not what Paul says. He instead says, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now, I know what the word sincere means, and you do too, but I looked it up just to be clear. Sincere means genuine, honest, truthful, not fake. And I went a little deeper. I was curious. The Greek word there has this idea of unhypocritical. Isn't that interesting? Timothy, don't let your faith be hypocritical. Don't pretend to be one thing, and in truth, you're actually something different. One writer defined it like this. He said, Timothy's faith was a faith arising out of an inner reality of conviction and knowing no sham or pretense. Now, the Bible is filled with warnings against hypocritical faith. For example, James chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Mark chapter 7, verse 6, and he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Right? They're willing to say the right things. They're honoring me with their lips, but their heart isn't living the way it should. And maybe the one that we're most familiar with, when Jesus speaks to the religious leaders to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, here's what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now he's going to define it. For you're like a whitewashed tomb, which outwardly appears beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Verse 28. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, I have no idea what's going on in your heart. That's between you and the Lord. Like My responsibility is to, is to teach and to preach and to lead this church. And, and, and if you want to talk about what's in your heart and your struggles with the Lord, I'm happy to discuss those with you. But ultimately, it's between you and Christ, right? You know that. But I'm just fearful that far too many believers in the modern church kind of live out this life of hypocrisy. You kind of say the right things, maybe, maybe you know the right answers, but in your heart and maybe your life, you're not living the way you ought to live. And that's various levels and various degrees. Right? If you're going to think about a, a sincere faith, right, a genuine faith, pull that first truth back up for me if you would, please. If you're going to think about a faith that is real, then you can't come to church and say one thing and go to work on Monday morning and act completely different. You understand that, right? Now, you can do those things if you want to, but don't claim to have a sincere faith. If you're going to have a sincere faith, you can't go into a Sunday school class and, and answer the questions you ought to answer and act the way you ought to act and then go home and treat your spouse completely different. You can't do that. 
If you're going to have a sincere faith, you, you, you can't kind of put on the airs of church on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week kind of forget about who Jesus is and live the way you want to live. That's exactly what Paul's talking about to Timothy. Timothy, your faith is sincere. I've seen it. I recognize it. I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother. I see it in you. I've lived with you. I've discipled you. I've mentored you. I've traveled with you. I've seen you when nobody else has. I know how you live. I know how you act. I know how your heart is. I know that your faith is sincere. I'm fearful that far too many of us don't fall into that category. We, we say the right things, but maybe we're not living the way we ought to. The scripture is clear. Christ is clear. Don't live like that. Don't be like that. Christ talks, God talks about it in, in the book of Revelation, especially churches that are kind of lukewarm and, and don't really love him. They're not, they're hot, they're not hot, they're not cold, they're kind of in the middle, they're just kind of doing normal stuff without really being on fire for Christ. You know what the Bible says about those churches? God's going to spit them out of his mouth. Makes him sick. And I just wonder, how many, how many of us kind of fall into the category of not really a sincere faith? We say the right things, not necessarily do them. So I'm going to give you kind of two very simple things here. They're litmus tests. And again, th this is not all there is. There's more to this. But if we're just kind of be simplified and kind of understand this on a, on a very kind of foundational level, what do you need to have in order for your faith to be genuine? Flip over to chapter 3 again because Paul gives us a couple of indications here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read just a few verses to you. Paul has warned Timothy already about the end times. The people are going to be lovers of money and hypocritical and lovers of pleasure. But Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14, But as for you, right, you should be different, Timothy. You need to be set aside. Continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, verse 15, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Right? The, the first litmus test is, have you given your heart and your life actually to Christ? Not have you said words at some point in your life, not do you know this is true, but have you actually given your heart and your life to Christ? Is your faith in Jesus sincere? Because if it's not, that's the starting point for you, right? As simple as that sounds, as obvious as that sounds, if you don't have a real relationship with Christ, you can't have a sincere faith. But then Paul goes on to say there in verse 16, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the men of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. You should have an actual relationship with Christ. But the second thing you need if your faith is going to be sincere is you should be living out the truths of the Bible. And if you're not living out what Scripture teaches, I would say to you, you may not have a sincere faith. Right? The, the thing that, that this society is really good about doing, myself included, by the way, is we're not as harsh on sin as we ought to be. That's one of the, the downfalls of the modern church. We want to take sin and kind of sweep it under the rug or justify it or act like it's not a big deal. That's not what Scripture teaches. And so far too often, we're not really interested in living out the things of the Bible. We're interested in living out our version of the things of the Bible. You understand the difference? Where there's certain parts of Scriptures that we love and we amen and we're going to live like that. But then the parts that really affect us that we don't like, we just never really read them. <laughs> or when we read them, we just act like maybe those are for somebody else. 
Or that couldn't really mean what it says, Lord. There's no way you really want me to live like that. Now, what that looks like in your own life is between you and the Lord. But you ought to examine yourself on a regular basis. Am I living out the truths of Scripture? Am I praying? Am I I memorizing God's Word? Am I sharing my faith? Am I denying myself and following Jesus? If you don't find those things in your life, then your faith may not be sincere. That's between you and the Lord. But I want you to notice what Paul says to Timothy now. Go back to chapter 1, verse 6. He says, for this reason, right? Because I know your faith is sincere, Timothy. I know you have a legitimate faith. I know it's real. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Here's the second thing we need to be aware of. If we're going to battle against apathy and complacency in our walk with Christ, truth number two, we must be certain that we're fanning the flame of our faith in our lives. We need to be certain that we're fanning the flame of faith in our lives. Paul makes this interesting comment to Timothy in verse 6. I want to look at that verse again. Pull that up for me if you would, please. Paul says, listen, your faith is real. I've seen it in you. I've seen it in your grandmother. I've seen it in your mother. And for this reason, because your faith is real, I remind you. Why did Paul have to remind Timothy? Like his faith is real. He's seen it. He's lived with him. He's discipled him. He's mentored him. He knows about his grandmother and his mother. Why does he have to remind Timothy to fan and to flame the gift of God? Because even though Timothy's faith was sincere, he still needs to be reminded because human nature, if we're not careful, will lead us toward apathy, won't it? It's just the nature of who we are. Paul knew, listen, even though your faith is real, even though I've seen it in your grandmother and your mother and I've lived with you, even though I know this is who you really are, you've got to be reminded on a regular basis to grow in your walk. That means no matter who you are, whether you were saved yesterday or you were saved 50 or 60 years ago, you should constantly be reminded of the importance of fanning the flame of God's love in your life. Now, the Bible is, I love how the Bible uses kind of word pictures sometimes and and illustrations to help us understand what's going on. And oftentimes in Scripture, you see the Word of God speaking of the power of God by using fire. So there are all sorts of examples in Scripture of fire speaking of the power of God. For example, Exodus chapter 19, verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. That's what Scripture teaches. Revelation chapter 1 verse 14, speaking of Jesus, says the hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9, if I say I will not mention him, speaking of the Lord, or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and they rested on each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Like on and on the list goes this idea of fire and the Lord and growth and who he calls us to be. And I think there's a great analogy here. I think there's a great kind of picture we can understand as Paul says, listen, you need to be reminded to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Listen, we need to see our faith like a flame. Okay, that's what Paul says. And you need to be on a regular basis fueling that fire. Now, I love camping and I love hiking. And one of my favorite parts about hiking and camping is building a fire. We have a fireplace in our house, and, and, and we elected not to have the gas uh, logs. Gas, are, are, they're great. You, you know, you flip the switch, and you turn the knob if you're cold, and turn it down if you're hot. But I wanted a real wood-burning fireplace. That's what I like to do. And I enjoy going outside and building a fire as it gets a little cooler. And if you've ever camped or hiked or built a fire out in the kind of the back fire pit of your house, you understand there's kind of an art to building a fire. Fires don't just happen naturally, I guess unless it's a major wildfire and lightning, but that's another story. We're talking about this analogy, right? In your backyard, in your fire pit. You've got to do something to make it happen. And there's an art to it, right? There's certain things you've got to do. If you know anything about building a fire, you don't take a large log and plop it down in the fire pit and then get up under it with a lighter and expect it to light. If you've ever done that, you're going to get frustrated in a hurry because that log won't burn. Not yet, at least. And so you start the fire with a lot of little stuff, don't you? Small little uh, pieces of, of wood or of uh, dried leaves or maybe newspaper or paper. And you put the small stuff down first because it will burn easily. Then you lay smaller twigs on top of that. And then you get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until eventually you build up. And kind of the top layer are the big logs. And when you build the fire, fire uh, when it first starts is kind of fragile. It's interesting. Because you can light it, and there's a chance if you don't kind of maintain it for a few minutes and monitor it, it'll go out. And sometimes you have to get down and you light the fire, and sometimes you have to, you have to blow it. And that seems kind of counterintuitive because you, you blow a candle out. But when you blow on a fire, you pr- produce within extra oxygen and the draft it needs for those things to catch fire. And so you stand there and you monitor it. And as it grows, you add more fuel, right? We, we would never expect a campfire to burn all night if we didn't monitor it and continue to add wood to the fire. Think about that in, in the same type of idea with your faith, right? The same understanding with your faith. Your, your faith starts as a, just a small little glimmer, a small little flame like a candle. You can think about a candle. And if you don't do something with your faith, if you, if you don't add things to it, If you don't add more wood and more fuel and tend to it and monitor it on a regular basis, it's going to go out. Paul says, listen, Timothy, you need to be reminded that on a regular basis, you've got to fan into flame the gift of God. You've been given this gift of salvation. You've been given this beautiful gift from the Spirit. You need to be reminded on a regular basis. It's now your responsibility to fan it and to add fuel to it and to allow it to grow. Now, I just wonder, if I went around the room, and I'm not going to do this, if I went around the room and asked every person, like, what are you actively doing to fuel and fan the flame of Christ in your life? I wonder what kind of answers I would get. Because I fear a lot of people think it just kind of happens on its own. Like, if I just go to church occasionally, and I go to Sunday school class every now and then, and maybe I read my Bible once a week, then I guess I should be growing in my faith, as if there's not some real process you can take. Paul says, listen, Timothy, you you need to be reminded. 
that your faith requires work. It's a constant battle. It's a constant struggle. You need to continue to fan it and add fuel to it. And I worry that far too many people in our churches today simply have a a small candle burning because you never actually fan the flame. You've you've never actually added the the fuel that's required to move that faith from from a small flicker into this kind of roaring inferno. That's who you ought to be in Christ. Like the, 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 faith, the, the fire of your faith ought to burn so brightly that other people see it. You understand that it affects other people. It changes other people's life. And so I'm going to give you just some very simple, very practical. I've got them on the screen. Practical things you can do to fuel the flame of Christ in your life. Right? Hopefully you're already doing some of these. Maybe you're not doing any of them. But if you're serious about your faith, if your faith is sincere... And you want to stay out of this place of apathy and complacency. Here are some very specific things you can do to fan the flame of God's gift to you. I have them on the screen. The first one is commit to action. Now, all these are going to kind of sound simplistic. It's not about whether or not we understand them. It's about whether or not we're doing them. Right? A campfire never just appears in my fire pit until I commit to build it. Did you know that? Amazing how that works, isn't it? Like I have to commit to actually getting up, walking outside, gathering the wood, stacking it appropriately, finding a lighter or a match, lighting it, tending to it, adding fuel to it. Until I commit to action, that fire is never going to happen. Until you commit to your faith, it's never going to grow. Like for some of y'all, you just need to commit to do it. Like it's a brand new school year. Exciting things are coming, an opportunity for you to kind of reinvest and and reignite your faith. Just commit. Listen, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about my faith. I want to do something about it. Now I'm going to commit to action. Here's the second thing you ought to do. You need to make the commitment to study God's Word in a small group setting. You need to commit to studying God's Word in a small group setting. Now listen, what we do here is biblical It's important, and we're going to continue to do it. But this is not enough for you. If this is all you ever get, you're missing a second component, kind of a second half to your walk on a Sunday morning at least. And that second half is when you sit in a room with other people, a small setting, and you open God's Word, and you read it, and you study it together, and you grow in community together, you grow in faith together, and you challenge yourself. We're going to continue to push this and talk about this, but you should not be in a worship service and then not be in a Sunday school class. We want you in a small group somewhere. We're going to do everything we can to make that easy for you. If you're not in one, Jeremy's going to be in the fellowship hall as soon as this service is over. You can go speak to him, ask him questions. But if you're not growing in that small group, if you're you're never really being challenged in your faith by other believers, you're missing an important component of what the Lord wants to do in your heart. And for some of y'all, you just need to commit to it, that first word. Every one of these begins with commit. You've just got to decide to do it. Is, it. is it easier? Maybe not. Is it cause you to have to take a couple more steps on a Sunday morning? Maybe. But is your faith worth it? Like in your walk with Christ, desirable? Don't you want to grow in your love and understanding of who he is? Don't you want him to work in your life and do incredible things? then you've got to fan that flame. You've got to add that fuel. The third thing, you need to commit to regular worship attendance. 
This is what the Lord calls us to do as followers of Christ is on a regular basis we gather together and we pray and we sing and we worship and we study God's word. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up. There's the idea of kind of growing that fire. Stirring up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing I can remember growing up, you know, and, and coming to church was just kind of the normal thing to do, and we did it every week. And, and I've said this before, but one of the things my dad taught me was faithfulness. He just taught me that. Praise the Lord, he did. We just came to church every Sunday. I didn't ask if we were going to go, didn't wonder if we were going to get up and go. It never was a discussion. We just got up and went. We went on vacation sometimes. Not always, but sometimes we did. Why? Because it was important to my dad, it was important to my mom, right? And we've led our family the same way. Why? Because it matters. It's what Scripture teaches. And it's as simple as, you know, let's just make a commitment to do this. There's a, there's a thousand other things we could do, a thousand other places we could be, things that might be really fun for us. But we think our faith is important enough. We think it matters enough that we're simply going to commit on a regular basis to be in a small group study. We're going commit, to commit to be in worship service every week, all of us. It's, it's amazing how we commit to be at work and then we just show up to work, don't we? We can commit to the things of the Lord just like we can. That. And then, then fourth, finally, we need to commit to prayer. Oswald Chambers said, Prayer is the vital breath of the Christian. Not the thing that makes him alive, but the evidence that he is alive. Isn't that interesting? For some of us, it's just a commitment issue. Right? I, mean, I could talk uh, for, for hours about all the things we do and all the other activities we're involved in. We need to commit to prayer. We need to commit to prayer. We need to commit to studying God's Word in small group. We need to commit to, to corporate worship together. We just need to decide, I'm going to do this. This matters enough to me. This matters enough to my family. I'm simply going to make the commitment to do it. Now let's finish up. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 again, right? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. There it is, the gift of God. You got a sincere faith. You got to do something about it, Paul says, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7. Now watch this. For God gave us a spirit. Some of y'all need to hear this. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. And self-control. If, if we're going to stay out of that apathetic place, if we're going to stay out of complacency in our walk with Christ, truth number three, we must be certain that we are living in the power of the Spirit. We need to make sure we are living in the power of the Spirit. Now, I want you to see verse 7 again because I, I, I fear that people are affected by this. Pull verse 7 up again. Here's what Paul says. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, what? Not of fear. You see that? Like, I, I just wonder how many decisions for Christ over the centuries have been made based on fear. Like, Lord, I know you called me to share my faith, and there's a guy at work that needs to hear something about you, and I need to go pray for that guy or that lady over lunch, but I'm too afraid. <laughs> Or, or, Lord, I, I know you call me to be different at work and to stand up for what I believe and to be Christ-like in front of my coworkers, but I'm afraid how they're going to respond and react. 
I know I need to get up and, and pray or stay up late and study my word. I know I need to be prepared for Sunday school, but I'm just afraid I'll be too tired for work the next day. On and on and on and on the list goes. We've all got a thousand of them, myself included. But Paul reminds Timothy, listen, we, we've not been given a, a spirit of fear. You don't need to be afraid of anything because Christ has called you to do great things. Instead, he's given us a spirit of what? Power and of love and of self-control. Like, are we, are we living our lives in the power of the Spirit? Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his followers, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I, I fear far too many believers are not living out their life in the power of the Spirit, allowing that power to, to lead them to love and to self-control and to do great things for the kingdom. We need to recognize that power and embrace it and live in it. I mean, could you imagine how, how the world would change if just the believers at Rosemont lived in the power of the Spirit 100% of the time? Can you imagine how this community would be impacted, how, how this region and this world would be impacted because of our faithfulness? Like we, we, we live in a society that calls us to a lot of different things. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can be involved in. I want to just challenge you as I finish up this one and encourage you, be serious about your faith. Just commit to it. Just commit to doing the things that Christ has called you to do. Commit to, to Bible study and to prayer and, and to worship and to living in the power of the Spirit. Just decide to do it. Just kind of draw this line in the sand. And some of y'all may be thinking right now, you know, he's right. I know this is true. I just need to make the commitment to do it. Then just do it. Today's the day. I've decided I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to follow him to the ends of the earth. I'm going to lead my family well. It's going to impact them. It's going to impact me. It's going to impact the people around me. It's going to impact the world. Why? Because we haven't been given a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of power. You understand that? Power and love and self-control. I want you to just bow your heads right where you are. I want you just to close up your Bibles, close up your notebooks, kind of settle in for a second. Let's, let's Don't rustle around too much. Just close those up and then just kind of close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to consider your walk with Christ. Like if you had to say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm completely sold out. I'm a 10. Or I'm living in absolute apathy right now. I'm, I'm a 1. Where are you on that list? Where are you on that? So you say I'm a 3 or I'm, I'm a 5 or I'm, I'm a 4 or I'm a 6. Or what, what is it going to take then for you to kind of make that next step? What's it going to take for you to go to that next number? A little, little more interested a little more willing, a little more committed. May, may this be the day that you begin to make those changes. Father, we thank you for your word. It always challenges us. Always, Lord. Father, if we take the time to study it, it's always truthful and compelling, and it, it speaks to our hearts, Father. I know right now there are people, right now, within their hearts, they're being challenged by this truth. May they be serious, Father, about that. May, may they be willing to do something about it. May they recommit themselves to you this day. And I pray you'd use this message, Father, to, to just kind of propel us into this sermon series that's upcoming, propel us into this new school year. Father, do great things through this church and through our lives. And we're going to praise you, Father, for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. You come and... and 
pray or speak to me, you respond as we sing together this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.